Hello, and welcome to another podcast of thebackstoryradio.org, where we're going to talk about the podcast where they included the Read All Over by Ed Ayers and Brian Ballow. So for this episode, we are going to be looking at an overview of basically the fantasized American romance that we have for our American education system, where we see a happy-go-lucky teacher a very happy, warm school setting, and a nice amount of school children that are getting a proper education. So right off the bat, we're going to talk about a song that is highlighted in this podcast. It's called School Days. It is a very happy song that was uh, noted by the New York Times as a top 10 popular song in the U.S. about a one-room school that is happy, that is cheerful, and seemingly the American, the American view of American of American education early in in our times, and that was written by a man named Gus Edwards, who seemingly was a German immigrant who moved to Brooklyn by the age of seven, who coincidentally never actually stepped foot in a school setting, but he is the one that portrayed this song, and it just goes to show and is a good testament to show of how people viewed early education uh, in the U.S. at the time. So let's talk about the false portrayal of American education in the early days. Right off the bat, school is happily portrayed as their happy one-room shack that actually is a visual model of this red schoolhouse in front of our Department of Education in Washington, D.C. at one point. And this false identity of education portrayal stays there. Schools were never painted a real color, and oftentimes were just left their original wooden color. And that essentially was to save costs and put the fundings into somewhere else. Moving inside to the schools. By 1850, elementary-age kids were starting to become more prevalent in schools than any other country. Now moving in 10 years later, by the 19th century, the vast majority of our youth and young adults were going to school in a 15 by 41 room shacks that oftentimes had no school bell, minimal to no types of heating. The water source were sometimes mistaken for frozen ice that later the next day turned into water and were then drank by students. Looking back to us as a country and where we get an idea of our sense of early education, we can look back and contribute that idea to stories like Little Red House on the Prairie, written by Laura Ingalls Wilder, an autobiography series that depicted her times in the 1880s. But just as her stories caught fire, the WPA and PWA helped take down these shacks and create buildings that were much more suitable for education for, for children. Now let's move on to the most fascinating part in my opinion, about this entire idea of early education in the United States. The age ranges. The age ranges are so vast in the the early education of the U.S. that they range from as young as 3 years old to 20. Not saying 3 to 20 were the only people getting educated, but that just gives you a general idea of how widespread the ages ranged inside of these school settings. And there was almost as many as 100 kids per classroom to as little as 
four kids per classroom. Since ages varied, that meant that the supplies varied as well. This can go for writing utensils, notebooks, books, etc. And oftentimes, a little fun fact that they that um that Ed Ayers and Brian Ballow gave to us were oftentimes textbooks were memorized and recited to teachers, which I think is absolutely insane considering the amount of text that they had to to read several times over just to recite the amount of words that are inside of a textbook. Now moving on to what else was our was the 14 by 50 shack used for. It was oftentimes the only public building for that community, which meant that it was not only meant for education purposes, but also for voting, debates, weddings, funerals, and holidays such as Christmas, Easter, and so forth. And a little side note that I'd like to add about this that I thought made me laugh was how it was very, very common for stories to include Santa's beard being burnt because of the close-knit quarters that they had to have these functions in. And the large cotton beards were a very large factor in the fire hazard. Now let's move on to the meat of the education portion, not just the conditions that they lived in. As we know, there was no sort of accommodations or modifications being placed for students that range in uh, academic abilities. So let's start off with how, how were these students punished? There was no dunce cap, as that is perceived as one of the original ideas and forms of punishment to, to, uh, to provide some sort of humiliation for a student's acts. But more or less, they did, in, in fact, punish students for talking too much by tying a twig to the tongue. Another instance of punishment were, was for chewing gum where students would often then have to put the piece of gum on their nose or on their forehead. And the the one form of punishment that I thought was very eye-opening and I almost caught me in disbelief was students that had a tough time spelling were forced to eat newspapers. And the joke that they made were was in the podcast was, um, I guess that is the form where you can get the phrase, eat your words in the sense that students were eating ink from the paper and digesting that for forms of punishment for not being able to spell properly. This is a testament to how an academic failure failed each student in, in their early education. There was a lack of, this meant that the lack of effort was the reason to punishment not because the students were incapable and there was no differential ability in education and there was no concept of disability. So if you struggled in any sort, it was because they, in their eyes, it was due to lack of effort. Now, as we can see in all of America, the ranges of early education varied, but specifically in the South, education was a low value and there was no stable outlet for middle or lower class to obtain a proper education as we can see that it was very easy for the rich and the wealthy to obtain an education, and it was very common to see that. And in fact, 
this leads to African Americans. It was it was illegal for them to learn how to read and write and become literate. Not only did there was there trouble in the South, but in the northeastern region of Massachusetts, New England, we saw many religious beliefs become conflicts in our in early education. The King James Bible text of the Protestants was not very liked by the Catholics, as they would, did not want the Protestantism becoming an impression on their children. And on the other hand, they did not want the popery views of the Catholics to be viewed on their Protestant children. So that forced the Catholics to create a private school system so that they can teach their viewpoints. All in all, I thoroughly enjoyed reading over the transcript of this podcast and listening to it several times as I sort of nitpicked different things each time I listened. I enjoyed hearing the views of how early education didn't thrive. And in fact, I was not very aware of just how unfitting the education was as far as teachers being only 15 to 16 years old and not even being adequately fit to teach themselves. In fact, they should have been the ones being taught. But no, they were the ones doing administrating the students. And I just think stuff like that is something that we are bringing to light as a country and just to show how far we've came in in our school settings. But we are still have there's still holes in the education and there's still gray areas such as students being uh asked to say the pledge of allegiance, one nation under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all, when that is just not exactly what we're seeing in this country and in fact having to having students recite the Pledge of Allegiance, their their views and religious beliefs may not always align with what is said in the Pledge of Allegiance. And the phrase liberty and justice for all should go to a testament for that, is that justice for all and liberty for all, that they should have the, the right to not want to say the Pledge of Allegiance or be able to be vocal about their beliefs. And I just really enjoyed uh, listening to this podcast and just getting a new insight of just how far we've came as an education system and how I can keep that idea in the back of my mind when I'm going into my career and being able to use my use my surroundings and be able to use the just everybody around me and use it to my benefit so that I can be the most effective teacher and provide to my students so that they have an adequate edu- form of education. All right, well, that has been another podcast by done by me, Rudy Rodriguez. I just want to say thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed.